Well, Merry Christmas, Stone Creek. Can you guys believe that we are a week away from Christmas? How crazy is that? Um, by show of hands, how many of you guys have got your shopping all done? You're all done with your shopping? You little elves, I love it. Okay, how many of you are nowhere close to being done with your shopping? Still got a lot to do. Okay, real quick, let's just turn to our neighbors and tell them what's the one thing that you want for Christmas more than anything else? Like, what's at the top of your list? Just go ahead and tell them right now. What is that thing that you gotta have at Christmas? You want it more than you want anything else? Husbands, you're welcome, Okay. Now, here's, here's what I know. I don't know if you're anything like me, but every year my wife's like, hey, don't get me anything. Like, we're not gonna exchange gifts this year. Fellas, I just wanna let you in on a little secret. She's lying, okay? Like, and the more aggressive that she tells you that she doesn't want anything, the more expensive the gift needs to be, okay? It's just the way that it goes. I can't believe that we're a week away from Christmas. It's crazy. Um, but today we're gonna close out this Christmas series that we've been in called Chasing Stars. Let me hear you say Chasing Stars. Yeah, and the whole idea of this series comes from Matthew chapter two, where there are these wise men or these magi who go on this journey where they follow a star. They chase this star and this star leads them to the place of where Jesus is born. They follow this star and it leads them to a savior. Check out the story in Matthew chapter two. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, this is a crazy story. So often when we read the scriptures, we just kind of gloss over things, just take them at face value. Like, oh, that's normal. But if you were to stop and evaluate that, that's a weird story, right? Like if people chased stars today, we would be like, you're a hippie and psychedelic and maybe need to see somebody, right? Like, like if you're chasing stars and you're not an astronaut, there's a problem, Okay. Like we don't chase stars, like that's weird, that's strange. These men traveled hundreds, possibly thousands of miles. They gave up months, maybe even years of their lives to follow a star that led them to a savior who is Jesus. Like that's a crazy story. And it, it got us thinking as we started to look at this story in the scriptures as a team um, about the reality that all of us do this. Like all of us are chasing something there's something in life that each and every one of us are actually chasing after, that we are running towards, moving towards, efforting towards. We are searching and looking, planning and conniving, manipulating so that we can get, there's something that we're chasing. Let me ask you this morning, what are you chasing? What are you chasing? That's a really good question to know the answer to. What in life are you chasing? All of us are chasing something. What is that thing that you've begun to believe that if you get is gonna bring a sense of fulfillment to your life? What are you chasing? What is that thing that you're looking for, that you're desiring for, that you think that if you finally catch is going to fulfill you? What are you chasing? I would contend that there is something that each and every one of us are chasing. That it may be the thing that you've been chasing longer than you've been chasing anything else. All of us are chasing something, something to bring a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose and joy and a happiness to this thing called life. But I think that this thing is the thing that we've been chasing longer than we've been chasing anything else. And I think that it may be the, the longest pursuit of humanity is that we've been chasing a place to call home. We've been chasing a place to call home, a place to belong, a place to fit in, a place to call home. I mean, think about it for a second. Think about all the things that we have done and said and worn just to try to fit in, right? 
You ever done anything to try to fit in? Said anything to try to fit in? Worn anything to try to fit in? I wanna take you on the Joey Fit In fashion show for a second, okay? Y'all ready for this? Like, I'm gonna be a little bit, you're gonna be ashamed to call me one of your pastors after you see this, okay? Um, this is the Joey Fit In fashion show. In high school, this is what I wore. Okay, now at first, it looks like a normal picture, okay? Just some guy singing karaoke until you zoom in and realize that these four guys are all wearing shirts with popped collars, okay? All four of those guys, popped collar shirts, okay? Um, that's thanks to Zach Morris and Saved by the Bell, all right? Now, what you need to know is that we're wearing popped collar shirts singing pop songs. We're singing NSYNC Bye 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 right there, okay? So that's where I was at. Now, did any of you wear popped collar shirts? Anybody else guilty? Okay, it's okay. It's a safe place. We're in church, don't lie. I, I would wear like the double popped collar shirts, where I'd have like one and then another collared shirt and pop both collars. That's where I was living. Um, figured out that the preppy thing didn't work for me. And so I left the preppy thing behind and tried to like dress like a skater. So I ended up looking homeless, okay? <laughs> like literally, like can somebody give that dude some like bus money or a blanket? Like what was wrong with me? But this was me, this was me trying to fit in. So like I dressed like a skater. Now this next one's a little bit weird, okay? Because when you look at it, it just looks like a picture of girls until you realize that's me wearing a head warmer. <laughs> what was wrong with me, people? Like wearing a head warmer, but hey, I will say it's like me and 27 girls, so hello. Um, and uh, the head warmer, that phase didn't last long. The kind of height of my trying to fit in experience was when I dressed up like this and went to school, okay? So pink togo. So we've all done it, right? We've worn things to try to fit in. It just kind of makes it, it, its way into our human experience. What about you? Have, have you done something to try to fit in? Man, I wish I could tell you the stories of the things that I've done to try to fit in. The amount of trips that I've taken to the hospital that were immediately preceded by the phrase, hey, y'all, watch this. And you laugh, but you've done it too. Yours was just a little bit crazier. You said, hey, bro, hold my beer. And then you did it. We've all done things, haven't we, to try to fit in, to try to belong, to try to find our place. We listened to music that we didn't like, watched TV shows we were completely uninterested in. We've joined sports teams, participated in clubs, been a part of organizations just to try to fit in. Like, think about the clubs that we have. Like, it starts normal, like with a chess club, right? That's normal. We play chess in this club together. But then it evolves and it's like, I'm in this bird watching club where you've gotta have been born on a Tuesday and love the Zodiac and be left-handed and, 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 and eat pickles, right? Like it's just this weird thing that we do. We invent these clubs so that we can have this place where we feel like we belong, where we feel like we connect. We're all looking for it. We're looking for a place to call home, a place to belong, a place that we fit in, a place where we feel connected in. We're looking for like a, a crew or a club or a team or a clique or a gang or some type of family that makes us feel like we belong, that makes us feel like we fit in. Like think about gangs for a second. Like the very idea that you would kill or give up your life because you want to feel like you're a part of something. Man, this stuff is strong this morning. It's deeply rooted in the human experience and existence, this desire to belong and fit in. Um, recently, I was on an airplane, and uh, one of the things I love to do on an airplane is watch movies. Anybody else love to watch movies on long airplane trips? I love to watch the movies that I'm way too cheap to pay for, hashtag Dave Ramsey. Um, so I was on an 
airplane recently and I watched this movie called American Animals. Has anybody ever heard of American Animals movie? Okay, it's kind of this indie film, but it was really interesting. It tells the true story. It's not based on true events. It actually tells the true story of these four boys high school boys who decided to devise a plot to steal very rare and very expensive books from Transylvania University in the early 2000s. And these boys stole like Charles Darwin original books from this university. And it's cool because throughout the movie, they show these snapshots of these, these boys today, many years later, like kind of telling their perspective on the story. And all of them say that they didn't wanna do it that they didn't care about the money, that they didn't care about the books or the paintings, that they just wanted to belong. They just wanted to connect with their friends. They just wanted to know that they were a part of something. So much to the point that they actually went through with this plan that landed them in prison for 10 years. This is the power of wanting to belong, of wanting to have a place, of wanting to fit in, of wanting to know that there is somewhere in this place called life that is for us, that we feel at home, some place that we can fit in and be ourselves and be comfortable in our own skin, a place to belong, a place to be known, a place where there is rest for our soul. This is core to our human experience. What we're looking for is a place to call home. Let me ask you, are you lonely? Think about that for a second. Are you lonely? Like when life slows down and you're by yourself in the stillness of your soul, are you lonely? If you are, research would say that you're not alone. But that actually the majority of Americans feel a deep and real sense of loneliness on a weekly basis. That once a week something creeps up in our souls Something comes to life in such a way that we feel like we're by ourselves, that nobody gets us, nobody understands us, that there's no place that we're connected, no place that we fit in, no place where we can be at home. That same study showed that um, 60% of American meals are spent eating by ourselves, total isolation. 60%. Think about a meal and a table in this place that's supposed to create connectivity and the sense of belonging and home and family. But we spend 60% of them in isolation. We're just pushed further and further away from each other, not connected. That same study said that close to 60% of people say that they do not have a meaningful face-to-face -face interaction with another human on a daily basis that most days they don't look somebody in the face and feel a sense of home, of belonging, of I fit here, of I'm one with this person, of, of this person gets me and understands me, of I can be real here, I can be me here, I can stop pretending here, I can take off the mask here. 60% of people say that they don't get that feeling on a daily basis. That's crazy. We are so far from home. And this emotion is, is intensified during the holidays, isn't it? Like, isn't this escalated? Isn't this intensified? Don't you feel this really deeply around the Christmas season? It's the reason that so many of the cultural expressions of Christmas actually have to do with like going home. Home shows up in, Christ in uh, Christmas media all the time. So um, one of my favorite Christmas movies is the movie Home Alone. Anybody love the movie Home Alone? I just love the movie Home Alone. Probably because I looked exactly like Macaulay Culkin as a kid, okay? 
identical, just look just like him, okay? And I love this movie. And um, if you've never seen this movie before, you gotta watch it. Um, it. It follows this guy named Kevin. And what Kevin wants at Christmas is he wants to be home alone, okay? Kevin's in a big family, a crazy family, a busy family, and he feels misunderstood, like he doesn't belong. He's always trying to get people to pay attention to him and listen to him, and he's always making a big scene. I very much relate to Kevin. I grew up in a big family, a lot of chaos, a lot of craziness. I was always trying to get people to pay attention to me, so much so that one time in the middle of dinner, I stood up on the kitchen table, grabbed some scissors, and cut my hair off, okay? That was my life. I just wanted people to pay attention to me. And so Kevin, he gets in this fight with his mom. And he says, what I want for Christmas is I want to wake up tomorrow and I don't want any of you jerks to be here. I want to be home alone. And much to Kevin's surprise, he wakes up home alone. His family forgot him as they went on their Christmas trip. And there's that iconic scene where they're on the airplane and mom and dad look at each other and they yell, Kevin! And they realize that they left him at home. Now, the crazy thing about this is that they make a sequel Right, like, isn't that crazy? I'm like, Kevin, I want for you to know that like if your family leaves you once, like they forgot about you. If they leave you twice, they don't love you, okay? <laughs> but that happens and it follows Kevin. He's home alone. And the story's funny because at first he loves it, right? Like he loves it. He gets to do all the things that he's not able to do when his parents are home. And so he dances kind of in his underwear, risky business style through the halls of his house. He eats food that his parents would never let him eat. He goes to shopping malls and he puts on his dad's aftershave and screams. I love that scene. He beats robbers, right? But in the end, what he wants more than anything else is he just wants to be home with his family for Christmas. He says, I want those people who I didn't want to be with. I want to be with them. I want to be home for Christmas. But it's not just in movies. It shows up in, Christ in Christmas songs as well. So like the second most popular Christmas song of all time is the song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. You familiar with this song? I'll Be Home for Christmas. Now the history of that song is really interesting. It was recorded in the 50s by Bing Crosby. And it was recorded as, um, as it ran from the perspective of soldiers who would have been in World War II who were writing letters home to their families at Christmas saying, all I want to do is to be home for Christmas. And the song ends in a very melancholy nature with a very sad tone. And it says, um, I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. That this desire for a home is so deep that if we can't experience it physically, if we can't experience it in reality, that we'll live there in our imagination. We'll live there in our dreams. It'll consume our thoughts. This desire for a home, this desire to belong, this desire to fit in, this desire to have a place is so core to the Christmas story. It's all throughout the Christmas season. Like the very idea of Christmas and home are so interconnected. It's the central, it's central to the Christmas story. Like very early on in the Christmas story, we see that Joseph, one of the central players, he's gotta go home, right? You remember this part. So uh, check it out, Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter two. It says this, it says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And so the Christmas story kind of starts and begins with this guy named Joseph journeying home. He's going back home. This census is taken for everybody to go back to their hometown, to where they're from. And Joseph, much like many of us, has the realization of what happens when we go home at Christmas. Right, we all feel this. Nobody wants to be alone at Christmas. Everybody goes to home at Christmas. Everybody spends time with family at Christmas. That's kind of the natural thing. And so at the first Christmas, that's what Joseph does. He goes back home, but he's got to go home with the same things that we go home with. You see, when you go home, you don't go home with gifts and presents and socks and candy. That's not all you go home with. You go home with your life. You go home with your baggage. You go home with that unforgiveness. You go home and you walk into a family where there is bitterness and where there is resentment. You go home where there are these issues that are swept under the rug and that aren't talked about and that feel like ticking time bombs. Where there is this thing that plays over and over and over again in your mind that you know needs to be talked about but isn't discussed. And so you're in this house, but you don't feel at home. Does that feel real this morning? Does that feel like Christmas for a lot of us this morning? Well, that's what Joseph walks into. He walks into this home and this home where honestly he doesn't belong. It's really interesting. It's really interesting that many of us are looking for a place to call home. We're longing for home. We just wanna be at home. But when we get home, what we find is a broken home. We find a home that is broken by maybe divorce, by maybe an affair, a home that is just in shambles and in pieces. A home that is far from the Hallmark commercials that we imagined home being like. We go back to a divided home. We're looking for home, but we walk in and home's divided. There's this issue. There's this struggle that has caused separation and division. And, and people have taken sides and pitted others against each other. And it is messy. And, and people are towing the lines. We, we're looking for home. And what we find is divided homes. Or, or maybe what we find is we find pretend homes. We walk home and everybody's just playing the game, just wearing the mask, just going through the motions, just putting on a facade, just saying what they know they're supposed to say and acting like everything's okay to just get through the holidays, to feel this sense of nostalgia, like life is good and we're a family, but on the inside, you know, it's just pretend, you know, it's just a game. That's the home that maybe you're walking into this Christmas season or, or maybe you're going into an empty home. Maybe you got divorced this year and so you're single, you're a single man or a single woman and Christmas is gonna feel really lonely because you've got an empty home. Or, or maybe you're single and you wanna be married so bad and you've been looking for that significant other and can't find them and you're just all by yourself for Christmas and the world has told you that being single is this disease and you feel it. And so it's gonna be an empty home this Christmas or maybe it's gonna be an empty home this Christmas because you've lost somebody. And man, that's painful. Maybe it was a debilitating disease. Maybe it was a vicious illness. Maybe they took their lives because of suicide. I don't know, but you are going home for Christmas and it's an empty home. It's, it's not the home that you wanted or desired or longed for. We look at these physical expressions of home that we experience in our culture and they leave us longing for so much more in our souls, don't they? They leave us longing for like a real home, for the home that... The Christmas story is actually supposed to offer us. And, and did you know that's exactly Joseph's experience when he goes home? Like I never noticed it till this week studying and preparing for this sermon, what Joseph walks into, right? 
Look at what happens when Joseph goes home. Verse six, it says, while they were there, the time came for her being married to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Now, you know, I just figured, like, I'd always kind of had this picture in my mind that they showed up and all these people were there and it's just crowded because it's the busy holiday Christmas season. All the hotels are booked, you know, no, no room. But that's not really like what's going on here because he's going back home. He's not like going to New York City to like watch the ball drop on New Year's. No, no, he's going home. The census is taken where everybody has to go back to where their ancestors are from. And so not only is he going home, his family is going home. His family probably, possibly, likely lives at this place. And yet Joseph can't find a place to stay. He can't find a place to take his wife or his engaged to be wife to give birth to her son. Why? Well, because Joseph is bringing quite the tangled nest home. He's bringing a lot of baggage home. He's bringing a lot of pain home. He's bringing a lot of drama home, right? He's engaged to this 15, 16 year old girl who's pregnant with a child who is not his, who she says is God's child. Try explaining that one to your mama. That's not gonna go over well, right? Like that feels like the drama of Jerry Springer. I'm like, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. You know, always count on me for out-of-date cultural references, okay? But that's what this moment feels like. Like he's going back home and like surely Joseph can find a cousin or like a, an uncle or a friend from high school, but there's nobody. Why? Because his life is a mess. He's got himself in this tangled web he would have been uh, rejected by culture, rejected by religion, pushed to the fringes. And so this man who's gone home can't find a place for his child to be born. That's, that's, that's insane. And so Jesus, I, I love this, that the story of Christmas is about Jesus leaving his home, stepping into a family who's on their way home, but can't find a place to call home. And so the God of the universe is born homeless. How interesting. That home is so connected to this Christmas story. That home is so crucial and, and interconnected to Christmas and to family and to our desire and, and to our experience as humans. We are longing for home, aren't we? Searching for home, searching for that place to belong, searching for that connection, searching for that someone or something to make us feel alive and like, like we're enough and like we can be real and like we don't have to pretend and that we can just be us. We feel that in our souls, right? And so culture tells us to like find that significant someone, to find like that mythical unicorn, and so we begin the search and we begin to look and in culture, having a spouse is held up as kind of the crown jewel of connection and intimacy and in society, right? That that's your place that you'll find home is in a marriage. But more and more people I talk to are in marriages where they are married to somebody but feel completely disconnected to that person. They share a bed with somebody who they feel like they don't even know and who does not know them. They have separate bank accounts and separate lives and, and, and separate schedules and they're more business partners than they are spouses. They feel like the person next to them doesn't know them, doesn't know their fears or their dreams or their hopes or their desires or what they're praying about or what they're afraid of or what they're nervous about. They don't know them. They're living in the same house with somebody but they're not at home. And maybe you feel that this morning. 
Maybe you have felt like the human experience that has been offered to you and put before you has not delivered a sense of belonging and connectivity and homeness that you're searching for. And so you just feel so empty. You feel so betrayed. You feel like you have missed out. And so you've just conditioned yourself You've just relegated, you've just agreed to go through the motions of life being disconnected from people. I just do my own thing then, right? I'll just be a maverick. I'll just ride solo. Me, my, 101. Like, I got this. I don't need nobody, right? This is every man talking in the room right now, okay? When we begin to just kind of push ourselves away, isolate ourselves, did you know that most men, statistically speaking, do not form another friendship, a, a meaningful relationship after the age of 21. Not one. Because we just begin to believe that we've got to be tough and we've got to have it all together and that we've got to put together this perfect, like, man, I don't need nobody. But, but, but the truth is, deep inside, we know that we do. We've got this longing for home, longing for belonging, longing for acceptance, longing to fit in, longing to know that we could be real and raw and just honest and true, like we feel it so deeply within us. And this is the offer to each and every one of us at Christmas. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus left his home in heaven to make his home with each and every one of us. This is the outlandish offer of the gospel that God would not just stay up above us, but that he would actually come down to be with us. Look at the way that the scriptures say it in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter one, it says that she being Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name, give me that word, Emmanuel, which means God with us. How crazy is that? How otherworldly is that? How ridiculous is that love that Jesus didn't just come to save you from your sins, but he came to step into your sins, to step into the mess of your life, that God would not remain above us, but he would come down to be with us. This is the greatest news of Christmas, that you're offered a home in Christ, that you're offered a home in Jesus, that you're offered a place to belong and to be accepted a place to be known, a place to have rest for your soul, a place for the first time for you to feel like you don't have to be misunderstood and pushed to the edges, to be passed over and forgotten. You're welcomed home at Christmas. God says he will be with you at Christmas. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the great joy that is for all people that Jesus says he'll come to be home with you. The idea of Emmanuel, just to be real, it would take me a thousand sermons to unpack for you the beauty of Emmanuel, the beauty of the fact that God would be with us. Can you think about that for a moment? Like really think about it. Don't just hear it, like process it deeply in your soul, that God wants to be with you. The God who created the stars and the heavens and the universe. He wants to talk to you and listen to you and be involved in your life. He doesn't want to just hover above you, but stand next to you, rage war beside you. He wants to be that voice in your head, whispering confidence when you feel like you don't have the strength to stand. He wants to be the one who listens to your bad jokes and puts up with your long stories he wants to be the one who doesn't tap out or pass out or give up or run away or 
to turn away or say that you're too much to handle or get frustrated and, and leave you, but he wants to be with you, involved in all of your life. This is the intimate connection that God is offering you for you to actually feel at home. Like we know there's no place like home, right? Dorothy, great theologian, she knew it. No place like home. Like I, I was just traveling, Stephen talked about it last week. We get this unbelievable opportunity to explore planning churches globally. So we're in Belgium and we're traveling around that country and meeting all these amazing people. But the whole time there's just this longing in me for home, right? It's just built into us. When is the last time that you longed for Jesus the way that you longed for home in that way? Like when is the last time that you knew that there was this homeness, there was this acceptance, there was this belongingness, there was this inness that was available to you in Christ that made you feel like you could be you and you could be real and you didn't have to pretend and you didn't have to go through every conversation just trying to be what the person who you were talking to wanted you to be where you were just trapped in all these lies in your head of who everybody else has told you that you are. Like when is the last time that you just felt at home? Do you feel at home in your soul? Do you feel comfortable in your own skin? Or do you just feel like you're going through this Instagram, social media life, just trying to be what everybody else wants you to be? What if you knew that there was this offer in the gospel, this offer in Christmas for God to be with you in a way that instilled such confidence in you, such purpose within you, such a deep belief of belonging in you that it didn't matter what everybody else thought because you were at home. So you could just be you, take off your shoes, kick up your feet, be you. That's the offer of the gospel. I love the way that John puts it. John in chapter one, verse 14, it says that the word, that being Jesus, became flesh. He became a human and he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The writer of the message, Eugene Peterson, the way that he articulates this, as he says that the word became flesh, it says that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. I love that imagery. That, that Christmas, that God goes, hey, I'm not just gonna hover above you, but I'm gonna come, I'm gonna move right next door to you. And for some of us, that stresses us out because we know the lives that we live. We're like, Jesus, you don't wanna come live next, next door to me. It's drama up in this house. There are some skeletons up in this closet. Ain't trimmed these hedges in years, okay? Like my, my lawn is not manicured. My carpets are not vacuumed and my bathroom is not clean. You don't wanna come live here, Jesus. It's a mess. It's a wreck. It's in chaos. It's in turmoil. You don't wanna move into my life. But the story of Christmas is that Jesus wants to make his home with you. He wants to be with you. Like for many of us, the idea of Christianity is very ethereal. It is very heady. It is this idea. It is this maybe belief system. It is this ethical way to live. But the story of Christmas shows that it's not something that's way off and distant and out there, but that it's actually very personal and right here that God wants to know you and walk with you and be known by you and make his home in you. This close, this real, this alive, this involved in your life. This is the offer of Christmas that God wants to be at home with you. I just started seeing this idea everywhere as I was preparing for this, th th this message that like God is really passionate about making his home with us, that he's really passionate about knowing that we have a, uh, us knowing that we have a place, us knowing that we belong, us knowing that we fit in. Like you look at the book of Ephesians and it's just like you're in Christ. Like you're in, like you wanna fit in, don't worry, you're in. Like you stand blameless in him. 
You are loved in him. You are adopted in him. You have an inheritance in him. You are in. Do you hear that? that, that that's Christmas. You're, you're in. You're at home. You belong. You've got a place. I looked at the Great Commission, and it's like the last words that Jesus says. Pastors would love to make a big deal about this. Right before he ascends into heaven, he makes his last speech, and we tell you to make disciples. And you should, okay? That's really important. But I missed this part. That the last part of that, he goes, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That what he wants you to remember more than anything else before he leaves humanity physically is that he'll never leave you spiritually. He'll never leave you relationally. That he is with you, makes his home in you and wants to be involved in your life. This is an amazing, amazing, amazing message of Christmas. That God wants to be home with each and every one of us. God wants to be involved in our life. We were created for this intimate, connected relationship with God, but many of us never get to experience it. Like, you know, you weren't created to be alone, right? You weren't created to be alone. Like being alone is the worst thing. It's a terrible thing. Like that, that's why many people, they say that their greatest fear is to die alone. You ever heard somebody say that before? My greatest fear is to die alone. I just want to die alone. Even the wickedest, most mean, angry, I don't want to die alone. I don't want to die alone. I don't want to die alone. There's this fear of dying alone. It's, it's built deeply. Because you weren't created to be alone. You know, when God created the world, he created it, and it was, it was good. He, all of it, mountains, stars, universe, duck-billed platypus, it's all good. And he gets to man, and he creates, and he goes, man, you're very good, but it's not good for man to be alone. And so obviously he creates a, a helper, Eve, to be with man. And man, you know you're not, it's not good for you to be alone. Can I get an Amen. And man, we do some stupid stuff when we're alone. You know what I'm saying? Like just stupid stuff, watch stupid stuff, eat stupid stuff, think stupid stuff when we're by ourselves. It's not good for us to be alone. Women, it's not good for y'all to be together. Y'all shop way too much, okay? <laughs> and so God knows like, that it's not good for us to be alone, that he doesn't want us to be alone, that he never desired for us to be alone. But the problem is that very early on in that relationship, we fractured the relationship that he offered. He offered to be with us in a place called Eden, to walk with us and to know us, to experience shalom or peace or wholeness or fullness with us. He's, he's made that offer, but, but we chose something else. We said, nah, I do it my way. I think that there's another home, that there's a better place, a better existence than being with you. And so we turned our back on God. And what we see happens when we try to do life on our own and we end up alone is we feel this sense of shame. It's the first thing that happens in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, as soon as they eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they realize that they're naked and they feel ashamed. And so they hide, which is exactly the story of humanity, isn't it? It's exactly the story of many of our lives. We feel this shame, and so we just hide. Shame, like somebody's gonna see through the facade. Like, like we've got this deep fear that a Wizard of Oz type of moment is gonna happen where somebody's gonna see behind the curtain of our lives and see that we don't have it all together and that we're not perfect and that we don't fit in anymore. And so we just pretend and we fake it and we hide, but, but Jesus has made this offer for us to not have to feel shame, to not have to feel dirty, to not have to feel forgotten, to not have to feel overlooked. He died on a cross on Calvary so that we could be healed and cleansed. He resurrected from the dead so that we could be brought in to be a part of a family. You are a part, if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, if you know Jesus, if you've said yes to him, if you've made your home with him, you are a part of something way bigger than yourself, way bigger than yourself. You're a part of this family, this extraordinary family with brothers and sisters all around the world. 
So recently in my travels, I got to be in Belgium at this place called the Zav Center. And it's this place that missionaries from all over the world are coming in to, um, to just kind of rest and get recharged for their journey. And so there's people from Korea and from uh, um, North Africa and South Africa and from um, France and from Venezuela, just people all over the world. And I'm getting to meet these people and interact with these people. I got to meet this one guy who's from a country that I can't tell you where he's from, but he's now living from in a different country that I can't tell you where he's living. And he's got a name that I can't tell you because he's in fear for his life because he's on the front lines of bringing the gospel to unreached people groups. It was just so cool. And I met this guy just for a day, but felt this deep sense of connection and belonging because we've got this tie that binds us together in the blood of Jesus where he's my brother. We're, we're a part of a family. Do you feel that sense of connection and community in church? Like, I just wanna press here for a second because I've got this urge in me. I've got this desire in me, we, we do as a team, where we wanna create a kind of church where there's that level of connection and connectivity, where we have such a deep understanding of what it means to be a part of the family of God, for God to be our father, for us to be brothers and sisters, where there is real relationship that's experienced here, where nobody feels alone, but that there is community there is life together that takes place where you can be yourself and you can be real and you can be known and you can be long. Don't you want that? That's what being part of the family of God is all about, that that's an offer for you, that there could be a place where you could just be illogical, you could just vent, you could just be raw about your doubts and your fears and your insecurities and your regrets and your pasts and your hangups and your struggles. Wouldn't you love a place like that where you'd just be illogical? I know you can't be illogical with your spouse. They just try to fix you. But wouldn't you love just a place where you could just be? That's what we're supposed to be as the family of God. Like, did you know, like the church, this is not supposed to be a museum for good people. This place is supposed to be a hospital for broken people. This is supposed to be a place that anyone and everybody can come with their doubts and their hangups and their insecurities and the things that make them feel like they don't belong and that they don't fit in and that they can't be accepted and that they can't be loved and that they've hurt too many people and that they've gone too far. But that's not how this is supposed to feel. This is supposed to be a place for those people who feel that way to know that they belong. It's supposed to be a hospital. It's supposed to be a hospital. Like, you know, you know who feels real at home at a hospital? Sick people. Like, I ain't, never been at a, I ain't never been sick and been at a hospital, hooked up to machines and like eating chicken noodle soup going like, I don't think I belong here. Never thought that. But you know who doesn't feel at home at a hospital? Healthy people. Righteous people, as the Bible would say it. Like people who are really passionate about Germex. You know these people. It's passionate about hand sanitizers and, and SARS masks. Those people, like, they don't feel at home at a hospital. They're like, ah, I'm around, I'm around people who are sick. That's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be around people who are sick. I was thinking about this illustration and just taking it to the nth degree. You know who, who feels at home at a hospital, who never feels out of place at a hospital? Nurses and doctors. Like, they're not worried about being sick, about catching something. They're just in the mess because they love people. They care for people. And that's what the church of Jesus is supposed to be for people. We're supposed to create this place where people can belong and be loved and be accepted and feel like they're included before they ever believe what we believe, before they ever perform the right behavior, before they ever say the right thing. It's just supposed to be a place that they can belong and be loved and be cared for. That's the kind of church that we wanna be.
That's the kind of church that we want to create, a place where people can come home. Do you feel like you just can't go home? Maybe it's been too long since you've been home. Like you've wandered too far. You've distanced. The journey's just been, gosh, years since you've been home. Like home with God, connected to your creator, intimate with the almighty, walking with the one who made you. Do you feel like you can't go home? Like you can't open up his word and like really spend time with him? Like you can't be honest about your sins and your hangups and your doubts? Like you can't talk to him? You can't be in his presence because you feel awkward about your sin? Have you feel like it's just been too long? Too long since I've really walked with him? Too long since I've really let him into the deep parts of my soul? Too long since I've been real with him, at home with him, honest with him? That you just continue just going through life. There's a story in the Bible. It's one of my favorite stories where a guy just comes to the end of himself and he decides it's time to come home. He decides that he's journeyed far enough, that he's played the game of pretend for too long, that he's looked for places to fit in and found out that he's been left out, shoved out, overlooked and forgotten and he decides to come home. And I think that this is, this is the story of Christmas. It's in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus tells this story. He says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let's eat and celebrate for this is my son. And he was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost, but he is found. And they began to celebrate. The greatest celebration that could happen at Christmas is you coming home to be with your father. It's for your eyes to be open to the fact that all of the things that you've been chasing in life are connected to the fact that you don't feel like you belong. That you've got this shame and this guilt and this condemnation that's pushed you away from God. So you just keep running from him. But I want for you to know that it's time to come home, that Jesus left his home so that you could always come back home. He says in his word that he stands at the door knocking, waiting for you to answer. 
You got dads that abandoned you. I want for you to know that there's a father who's willing to adopt you. You've got siblings who've rejected you and don't understand you. You got a brother named Jesus who accepts you and allows you to share in his inheritance. There's a place for you at the table. There's a place for you to call home and it's with Jesus. And my desire for us this Christmas season is that we would experience a home with him, an intimacy with him, a walking with him that is real and that brings about a sense of confidence in life, belonging in life peace in life that we were created for. And so in the next few moments that we have together, we're just gonna close by singing a song, reflecting on the truth of who God says that we are and the fact that he has invited us to come back home. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want for you to ask yourself, are you at home? Do you feel at home with God? Do you feel at home with yourself? Is life as it should be? comfortable in your own skin? Or do you feel like you're searching still? Feel like you're wandering still? Feel like you're all alone just wondering where you fit in? Are you a mom maybe who's just at home by yourself all the time? Feel like nobody understands, nobody gets you? Nobody knows the struggles and the pains, the challenges, I want you to know he's inviting you to come back home. Are you an addict who's got baggage? Whose family keeps you at arm's distance? I want for you to know he's inviting you to come back home. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, this isn't for good people. This isn't for put together people. This isn't for perfect people. This is for all people. All people are welcome to come back home. Broken, hurting, dirty, fake, liars, cheats, stealers, come back home. Jesus, I pray that we would see today the Christmas story and its invitation for us to have a place at the table, for us to have a home. And God, that we would become the kind of people that offers humanity a place to call home. And Jesus, let us see Christmas this season through the lenses of home. Ask in your beautiful name and for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. I invite you to stand and worship together.